the headquarters of Ramsey Solutions. This is the Entree Leadership Podcast, where I take calls from leaders like you about what it takes to win at any stage of business and leadership. I'm Dave Ramsey, your host, with over 30 years of experience leading in the trenches right alongside you. In other words, this is not a show about theory. This is a show about how I actually run this business, how I grew it from a card table in my living room. And I've done a lot of stupid stuff, so I can help you avoid some of it. If you want to talk about your business, you got questions about leadership, the phone number is 844-944-1070. Or if you want to drop a line to us, we'll get you on the line by going to entreleadership.com slash ask. entreleadership.com slash ask. David's up first in Richmond, Virginia. Welcome to the Entree Leadership Podcast. It's nice to be here. I'm actually talking to you. This is I've read all your books, and I've been a part of your classes like three or four times just because I like uh, doing them. Um, Thank you. My my question for you is, uh, from the perspective of a founder of a now family enterprise, what suggestions would you give someone who is of, I would say, a newer generation of a family business so that we can foster stronger relationships within the family in the business so we can keep prospering going forward? I don't know what you mean. Okay. Um, Try again. I'm the fourth. I'm uh, I'm the fourth generation of my family's business. Um, with my sister and my cousins and I, we're in the construction supply industry. Okay. Um, and so my great grandfather, my grandfather, both um, were the founding family members of the business. Gotcha. My grandfather's still around. He's in his nineties. Wow. Um, my dad is our CEO. My aunt is our executive vice president. Um, and we've got over 175 employees. And now I'd say the fourth generation, myself, my sister, my cousins, and I are in, I would say, positions within the company that we actually have more interaction with my dad, my grandfather, my aunt, but we've never really worked together. And so what we've, I've tried to start doing with my the fourth generation is us meeting together regularly. Um, and now as a family, we're having legacy conversations, very much to your book, The Legacy Journey, but... I don't know what else to help do to prosper. I feel like there are a lot of conversations of kind of like when people die, you know, who gets what? And I'm kind of like, I, I just want the business to keep going another hundred years. I don't, you know, it's like, and I don't know what else to do. So I'm, I'm seeking advice. Very good. Okay. The, the uh, Kathy family, we've talked to them a lot about this at Chick-fil-A and they've done a great job with it so much so that Harvard has done a case study on their transition plans uh, they do have generational meetings, like you're doing your Gen 4 meeting that you formed. Very wise. Good move. And uh, they'll bring in the uh, some of the people from the other generations to coach that generation. Hmm. So your grandpa, okay. he's 90. Is he, um, is he still sharp? I would say he's very sharp. Um, but, you know, you know, he's not getting any younger. And, yeah, why don't you have um, him attend some of your Gen 4 meetings and coach hmm. you guys? Okay. I'm writing this down right now. I can't think of anything more rich than to say, you know, my grandfather, my, you said your great, your great grandfather and your grandfather started it, right? Yes. And your grandfather is 90. Yeah. Yeah. And so he's this gem two, but he was a founder and he can come right. in and share and go, Hey guys, we didn't form this for you all to squabble over who gets what when we die. We formed this yeah. to serve the customers and for the family to enjoy the profits. 
but it wasn't yeah. to squabble over. And he can set tones on stuff like that and say things you won't say or can't say. Hmm. I like that. Okay. And you could actually prompt him before he gets there. Like, yeah, one so thing, you know, Grandpa, one thing that's happening with this generation that I'm that I'm worried about is they're more worried about what they get when people die rather than worried about how we can make the business prosper. Can you speak to that when you come? You know, give him a script, give him a little prompt, and he he loved to say that stuff, I bet. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> and, you know, they'll take it from him. They won't take it from you. Right. And, oh, and, and now, are you guys doing a really good job of separating uh, ownership is different than working in the business? Yes. It's actually, that's one thing my dad, my grandfather, and my aunt have done very well. It's kind of like, you know, the ownership is truly separate. I mean, our, our actual president of the company is not a, a family member, which actually I think has helped because it's like, hey, you don't have to be a family member. But like my, my dad says it this way, you need to be willing and capable. And, you know, it's like, like, otherwise you could work here, but it's like you, that could apply to any person who works. So it's not a guarantee, you know, just, just because you're a family member doesn't mean yeah, that you're going to get. I mean, get... The, the proper model is if a family member works in the business, they get paid for their job yes. that they're doing and nothing else working in the business. If they also are an owner and there's profits distributed to the owners, they also get that. But they would get that if they didn't work there. Right. And my grandfather's been very strict on nobody who doesn't work in the business profits from the business. Okay. So he um, doesn't want owners uh, in the family working. that don't work there. Yes. Okay. And that's that. So that's your family charter in a sense. Okay. Then that's yeah. that's your all's decision. So if you want to be an owner, you got to be in the. You got to be also have a job there. Yes. Okay. All right. I still would separate the pay for the job from yeah, the ownership from the ownership calculation. Yeah, the, the ownership is totally separate from. Like I said, everyone has an actual job that they perform and get compensated yeah. for. And so then, here's the thing. In your case, has... in your case, though, what's going to happen is they're worried about what they get, what what everybody gets when somebody dies. Uh, let me tell you what else happens. What about when somebody quits? Right. That that's going to change the divvy. That's going to change the the percentage of ownership, right? Right. And what happens to that person's portion? Do y'all know? Is it written out? Um, I believe my grandfather knows, but that's something I don't know. So it's something to ask. Okay. Yeah. I mean, let's understand that. And then everybody kind of goes, okay, if I leave, I'm not only leaving my salary, I'm leaving this portion of ownership behind. Yeah. And that's going to be redistributed among my brothers and sisters or all the cousins or whatever, however the formula is working. But if everybody knows that, then it's real clear. And then you can keep a, a good, healthy uh, conversation going about just being excellent at your job, which sounds like your dad has been doing a good job of that. Yes. He's in a, in a fantastic job of, of growing the company and, and growing the family culture. Very much like our, our customers tease us as being the uh, the Chick Fil A of the I would say you know construction supply industry. It's like Good. and that's what we want because yeah. we want we want people to feel like they're known and well they're and teasing value. you because they're jealous. Yeah, they want to be you because you're doing something very unusual and very intentionally. Uh, it sounds like you guys are way ahead of the curve. Congratulations. And hats off to your grandpa and your dad. They've really 
and your aunt, they've really pulled together a great thing here. And obviously they've mentored you well, because the way you're, your knowledge base on this and your the way you're asking these questions is wisdom. So very, very well done, David. Very proud of you. Good stuff. Excellent, excellent work. Yeah, family business is a lot of fun if it's done right, but uh, your family business is never going to be any more functional than your family is. So if your family is by and large crazy, don't expect them to come down to the office and be sane. It's not how that works. Whatever's strong about the family will be strong at the office. Whatever's weak about the family will be weak at the office. Expect that to duplicate itself. This is the Entree Leadership Podcast. Hey, by this time of year, you've set goals for your business, communicated them to your team, and are making them happen together. But while you're busy getting after it, don't forget the primary goal of every single one of your employees to get paid on time and in the right amount. Payroll, it isn't the most fun part of your business, but it's probably the most necessary. So skip the payroll stress and check out Payority. They're a comprehensive payroll company that does it all for you. Just send Payority some basic info and they handle everything else. Direct deposits, deductions, reimbursements, tax filings, forms, all the things. If your business has 1 to 100 employees, Payority is perfect for you. And if you need support, you talk to an actual human who cares about helping you, saving you time, increasing your profitability, and giving you some very necessary peace of mind. Plus, Payority makes switching payroll providers easy. Go to payority.com slash entree leadership today for a free consultation. That's payority.com slash entree leadership. Welcome back to the Entree Leadership Podcast. If you want to jump in with your phone calls, we'd love to hear from you. It's not theory around here, baby. This is practical stuff. 844-944-1070. I'm Dave Ramsey, your host. One of my favorite people on the planet, a good friend, Pastor Craig Groeschel, joins us for a segment here with a brand new book, The Power to Change. This guy, man, one of the best leaders in America today. He leads one of the largest, if not the largest, church in America today and teaches leadership all over the world and The Power to Change. People need the power to change. Welcome, Pastor. Hey, Dave. It's great to be with you again. And uh, it's a kind introduction, but I cannot barefoot water ski like you. So, <laughs> not sure what that has to do with anything, but <laughs> I don't know. But I, I don't care what it has to do. I just need to say that if people don't know that, Dave Ramsey can barefoot water ski. And, and, I, 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 and I can't practice jujitsu like you do. So, there we go. So, we're even. We're straight up even. I love it. Hey, man, you and I uh, have been friends a long time, and long time. I've observed and watched your leadership path and watched your growth. It's been incredible over the years. Thank you. Uh, the inside jacket of this new book, we, we've talked about the wh- all the pieces in the interior, what the book's about, the thesis of the book, yep. uh, over, you know, coffee and hanging out with our wives. And, right. uh, you know, this, is, this subject is just something that's near and dear to both of our hearts. Uh, few things in life are more frustrating than knowing you need to change, wanting to change, and trying to change, but not changing. Pastor and best-selling author Craig Groeschel knows what it's like to be caught in that demoralizing cycle. The power to change, mastering the habits that matter most. It comes out this week. Go ahead and get it right now. Uh, you're, this is an absolute must. Craig is a regular speaker at Entree Leadership Summit, and uh, and there's a reason, and you're going to find out why as we spend time together here. So when it comes to mastering the habits, your your subtitle here, which I love a great subtitle, Mastering the Habits That Matter Most, what are one of the two of the personal habits that matter here? 
Well, first, thanks for the compliments on the book. And and I would say, you know, the core message of this book really is what you do all the time, Dave, is you're helping people change kind of their identity and their financial habits and so much more than that. And so uh, what's interesting is a lot of people talk about, you know, what habits do we need? And I, I would start and say, before we look at what you want to do, uh, take a step back and say, who do you want to become? And a lot of times people are trying to really change external behaviors, but if we're just changing external behaviors without changing our heart, the uh, behaviors tend to go back to where they were. And so before we start with the do, what I like to do is try to start with the who and say, who do you want to become? Because if you think about it, what is it that drives our habits for better or for worse? It's typically our identity. I, I could say it this way if you want to sound like Dr. Seuss, that you you do what you do because of what you think of you. Our identity tends to determine yeah. what we do. And there, there's an interesting study, Dave, that I quote in the book that, um, and I don't know how they came up with this, it's way above my pay grade, but this one study shows that in any kind of situation, whenever you face a decision, um, some kind of potential contra- um, confrontation or whatever, you subconsciously in a millisecond ask three questions that in your brain, you ask some version of what type of a person am I? What kind of a situation is this? And what does someone like me do in a situation like this? And we do it over and over and over and over again. So if your alarm goes off, what kind of person am I? I'm the type of person who hits snooze and stays in bed. Or I'm the type of person that jumps out of bed and attacks the day. So your identity drives your actions. So before we look at the external habits, we start with the internal identity. And I would ask the reader, who do you want to become? Who do you want to become? And then to answer your question, based on who you want to become, I would say, what habit do you need to create? Or what habit do you need to break? We'll start with identity, and then that will drive our habits. I am a night person. Yep. By uh, biorhythm or whatever you want to call it, right? Yes. Um, and yet, uh, for the last twenty odd years, I've gone to bed at nine o'clock and gotten up at five. Interesting. Because I discovered that um, fresh in the morning, I, I can get an exercise regime in, prayer time in, mm-hmm. time with my wife, set my set the foundation of my day, and I just figured out I, I'm watching successful people do that. And so mm-hmm. I'm gonna. I am a successful person. I'm gonna be a successful yep. person. And so I'm gonna do that. Mm-hmm. And I, I reset that. Now I still have energy at night. I mean, I'm, mm-hmm. I, that that didn't stop happening. But I didn't try to go. Okay, I'm gonna do my workouts at night because there's no chance I'm gonna do that from a schedule standpoint. Right. There's always something else going on. Uh, you know, Sharon and I are going out to dinner with you guys or something, or we're you know uh, we're traveling to go speak somewhere. There's always something going on at night. And, yep. and so I, I, I am not going to sit and read mm-hmm. unless I'm on an airplane at night. I just don't. I, I, well, I'm generally on the go. So anyway, I just had to figure that out. I had to reset that. And that's kind of what you're talking about. You just identify who you are and where you go from there. And it's a little bit like those three questions. That, that's interesting research because it's a little bit like you and I have taught in leadership to make sure that the leadership team knows what our principles and our values are. Right, and then when something comes at us, we mm-hmm. already know what we're going to do That's because exactly right. we set yep. it ahead of time with that value. Yes. We value this. And so when this situation comes, the decision is already made. Correct. Right. The only the pain that's left is actually executing the decision. This right. person, yeah. we don't tolerate that kind of behavior. This person is fired. Now, mm-hmm. 
we got to go fire them. Right. But they vi- they violated a value so extremely that, that, you know, ladies in the building don't feel safe because the way this guy's behaving, he's gone, mm-hmm. you know? Right. And we're not mad at him or something like that, but that decision's already made. We don't have to fret over the decision. The values made the decision. Our identity made the decision. That's the same thing you're talking about, right? Yeah, 100%. And you've taught that in leadership well, and I've always admired that you're, you're going to create a culture based on your values. And so we're the type of organization that celebrates this type of work or that we're the type of organization that doesn't allow this kind of behavior. And that's the same thing we're going to do is in our mind is we're going to say, I'm the type of person who, what, this is who I want to become. And then when you know who that person is, uh, let's say I look at you and let's say you say, okay, you get up early in the morning and you work out and you read. And I say, okay, Dave is successful. And that's part of his story. So I want to adopt one of those mindsets. So I'm gonna, my first one might be I get up early and I'm going to start there. And then once I get up early, that's going to uh, reaffirm the identity that I am a successful and disciplined person. That I may take another one of your disciplines and I'm going to read my Bible in the morning. And that's going to reaffirm right. I'm a successful. And then over time, I'm not trying to be someone who gets up early and reads the Bible and works out. It's a part of my identity. So my identity drives my habits, and my good habits reinforce my identity. And then we're not trying to be something else. We're actually, this is this is who we are. And the fun thing is that it's really, a lot of times people get overwhelmed by change. Like, I have to change all these things to get no. there. We talk about just doing it one small thing. You, you, you say baby steps, right? right. You, you take this one baby step followed by another, then you get the debt snowball. And and this is similar to change as one small change at a time. And you start getting the cumulative exponential power Absolutely. of a, a totally transformed life. Absolutely. You move one degree at a time. I mean, one degree it, at a time. And, 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 you know, you read two pages a day, you, you and by the end of the year, you've read a bunch of pages, you know, you but everybody's all worried about the whole book. book. And That's so right. there, that this incremental constant, rhythm of change, constant rhythm of application of the new discipline is more important than trying to swallow the whole frog at once. It's just, you can't get it done. You can't get it done. Craig Rochelle is my guest. He has a new book called The Power to Change. You need to read it immediately. Mastering the Habits that Matter Most. Now, some people watching or listening to our podcast, the Entree Leadership Podcast, don't know you have a very successful leadership podcast as well. I am a consumer of it. I listen to you on my walk or my drive to work or whatever I'm doing in the morning. Uh, It comes out, uh, if I remember, Thursdays, one Thursday every month, right? Uh, First Thursday every month. First Thursday every month. If you listen to it, which I, I am humbled by, you would have heard yourself two times. You're one of the only two-time guests on the podcast, and uh, your your leadership contribution, both personally and publicly, is is made such a big difference in my life. Well, somebody canceled, and you had to get somebody. So, <laughs> <laughs> Call Dave. I think so, he's available. Oh yeah, Dave will do it. <laughs> Dave will do anything. All right, and I will for you. So the uh, but I was listening uh, a couple of weeks ago, and you're talking about this book, and yep. I loved the. The eight habits to create this, the the hard right yep. was, I mean, the no snooze was really good. I like that, too, because I, I am a no snooze, I, and I always have been. I, I actually yep. wake up about six minutes before my alarm goes off almost every day, and I get up immediately. Mm-hmm. And I'm thankful that I can still do that. I can still get up. 
So that's good. good uh, I, I do pre-decide a lot of things. So those were easy for me. I was just looking at it through my own eyes, uh, user experience. But the hard right is a really good way to describe a little bit of what we were talking about a while ago, making a decision based on values. Talk about that one. That's exactly right. Well, the, the principle we talked about in the podcast was choosing the hard right over the easy wrong. And you know this in your leadership that so often when you're faced with a situation, there's something that there's a little less resistance. There's something that appears easier. And generally speaking, not always, but generally speaking, the harder option is usually the right thing. It's, it might be hard to say no to temptation, or it might be hard to have a developmental conversation with someone. But the principle and the habit that I'm trying to create as a good um, servant leader is that anytime there's a situation when I know what the hard thing is and, and if it's right, is to choose it and then to just let the results fall where they may. And what's interesting is usually the the easy wrong may be easy in the moment, but over time, uh, doing the easy thing when it's the wrong thing actually becomes really, really difficult. And so sometimes ripping the Band-Aid off or doing what's right in the moment may seem more difficult, but over time it actually becomes better. So I had a theory as I was listening to that. I want to run it past you. Yep. My theory is that the more you make the hard decisions based on doing the right thing, the easier it gets. Mm -hmm. You build the muscle. You do. To do that. You do. You do. I yes. mean, the thing that flashed through my mind when I heard you talking about it on the podcast was, uh, I, I mean, I, I'm bombastic, wide open, and uh, but but tenderhearted in the, in the middle of all that. And, and so early in my married life and early in my leadership life, I was just hard charging and blow on by and mm -hmm. just leave muddy boots all over everything and never bothered to apologize. Apologizing for screwing up was very hard for me mm -hmm. to say, I'm sorry. Now I say it all the time mm -hmm. because I'm, I've got a lot of reasons to be sorry all the time. You know, it's <laughs> like <laughs> I screw stuff up pretty regularly. So, I mean, I, I, I have built an I'm sorry muscle. I do that, it, but it was very difficult for me to learn to do that. No, that's exactly right. Same thing with getting up early. It might have been more difficult for you, but after a while, your body adjusts, your mindsets adjust. Uh, when it comes to diet, it might be difficult. It was really difficult for me for years and years to say no to certain food, but after a while, I developed a taste for um, the ones that were a little bit, an appetite for what was a little healthier for me. And now it's easier to say no. I've built a muscle, and, 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 and that's the perfect analogy. If you go to the gym and you're trying to yeah. curl... 10 pounds, at first it's difficult, the motion seems awkward, but the more you do it, the more you get in a rhythm, and then it becomes a habit that's that you don't have to think about. And uh, that's what we wanna try to do, is create multiple good, and you know, neurologically, we're creating new neural pathways in our brain, so doing the right thing becomes easier over time, uh, and the more we do it, the more it affirms our identity, and then, like, your, your story is a great example. What a lot of people don't know is, like, I met you when you had two radio stations. Yeah, I think that was all that you had. And people don't know the the consistent behind-the-scenes faithful hard work, small right decision, small hard right decision by the next one, next one, next one, and compounding over 20-some-odd, almost 30 years later— You've got a you know international impact, but this that was the result of making lots of hard right decisions over the years. When the easy wrong might have felt better at the time, but you wouldn't be um, impacting nearly the people you are otherwise. The book is the power to change, and uh, you know change is doable. And if, if things aren't working, change is necessary. 
If things are going to get better, you have to change. But you can't keep doing what you've been doing, expect a different result. That's the definition of insanity. So Craig Rochelle is our guest this segment. Be sure you pick this book up immediately. And if you stay tuned to Entree Leadership Summit and you come to our events, you're always going to see Pastor speaking from time to time. He's a regular with us. Uh, he, uh, he and I have been friends for a long time for a lot of good reasons. He's one of the top speakers and teachers on leadership in America today, as well as one of the top pastors in America today. Love you, my brother. Thanks for hanging out with me. Hey, thank you, and I look forward to hanging out with you in the evening again, although you always have more energy than I do in the evening. So uh, <laughs> thanks. Appreciate your friendship. Take care, Dave. Be good, brother. Uh, the Power okay. to Change is the book from Craig Groeschel. Hey, guys, you guys, be sure you pick this book up immediately uh, and anything else he writes. And hey, join, join him on his podcast, too. I, again, I'm a consumer of it. You guys are here for leadership podcasts. You're here for learning. Uh, I, there's several of people that are friends of Craig's and mine that have podcasts. I listen to all of them, and I learn something from them all the time. So jump in there and pick all this up. This is the Entree Leadership Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Trainual. Even when you're great at running the day-to-day, a lot of leaders struggle to delegate. But delegation is a critical leadership skill, and empowering your team by building that skill just takes having the right system in place. Well, Trainual is that system, and it's a game-changer. Trainual is an easy-to-use app that helps document and organize everything about your company in one place. Clear outlines for every role and responsibility – step-by-step training for all your SOPs and employee handbook content, an org chart and directory. You can build accountability tests. Employees can even use Trainual's powerful search to answer their own questions. Companies using Trainual are cutting training time and related costs by up to 75%. Get started with over 300 templates and their world-class support. It's time to get your entire team playing from the same playbook. Visit trainual.com slash entree today for a demo and get 15% off your first year with code entree15. That's 15% off at T-R-A-I-N-U-A-L dot com slash entree with code E-N-T-R-E-1-5. I'm Dave Ramsey, your host. This is the Entree Leadership Podcast. Thank you for joining us. If you want to participate, you got a business question, question about your life and your business, because this is what it is when we're small business people, right? Just dial us up, 844-944-1070. If you haven't registered for Entree Leadership Summit yet, why not? It's pastime. Summit is hands down the best leadership conference out there. I'm bragging. Yes, I am. But I tell you, I go to all of them. Nobody. This is amazing stuff. We're going to be in Nashville, our hometown this year in 2023, May the 30th through June the 2nd. It is almost sold out. There's a handful of tickets left. Dr. Jordan Peterson will be with us. Malcolm Gladwell will be with us. Dr. John Deloney. I'll be speaking. Ken Coleman will be speaking. We brought the speakers together. Uh, Willie Robinson from Duck Dynasty is going to be coming. This is not a conference you can afford to miss. This is not a sales tactic. It's just the truth. This is going to feed you and fill your tank up. EntreeLeadership.com slash summit and get your tickets before they're gone. Again, it's here in Nashville in our backyard at the fabulous Opryland Hotel Complex. It's a resort deal. It's amazing. Got a river running on the inside of it if you've never been there. It's cray-cray. So in May 30th through June the 2nd, the Entree Leadership Summit, get your tickets at entreeleadership.com slash summit, and that'll get you rolling. Trofina is with us next in Tampa, Florida. Hi, Trofina. How are you? 
Hi, Dave. I'm doing well. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. What's up? Yeah. So we are a Schedule C right now. We're an LLC uh, with a Schedule C like pass-through tax setup. Sure. And we're looking to transition from contractors to W-2s. And I want to know what kind of like structure, business structure we should be like. What kind of corporation should we establish? LLC is fine. Nothing wrong with that. Oh, okay. doesn't affect doesn't affect anything at all. Uh, we're an okay. LLC, and we've got eleven hundred on W two. So, um, yeah, I mean that's that's a fairly standard process. How many people mm-hmm. on uh, will will you be uh, doing payroll for? Uh, five. Okay. All right. I'm going to mm-hmm. investigate the possibility of outsourcing the payroll process. Okay. With a payroll company. At five people, it may not make sense. When you get to 50, it always makes sense because, it, you know, it requires a certain amount of time to actually process the check or the a direct deposit. No one does checks anymore, but the direct deposit and, and the withholding, which is the 941 forms, 941 forms have to be filled out with the IRS. And, I mean, you can have an accounting firm locally help you with that, or you can have a payroll company help you with that. Um, and, but again, I'm not positive. It's going to make sense financially to hire a payroll company to do it for five people, but it's a pain in the butt. So outsource (laughs) it. I mean, all the paperwork's, it's a, it's just awful. And so, uh, you know, get people that like doing that kind of crap and, you know, it'll move you in that direction. So yeah, go to RamseySolutions.com and click on, uh, tax ELP. And talk with a tax professional, uh, and they probably do bookkeeping and maybe help with small businesses, and they may be able to give you some direction, too, on that. Uh, And just do a little bit of research on a couple of payroll companies in your area, and they'll help you make that. But you don't have to do anything uh, really super complicated to make that happen. So, guys, that leads us into another idea. Let's talk about this for a minute unpack it. Okay? You start with... When you, when you start in business, we call you a treadmill operator. A treadmill operator is the person where too much of the business relies on you. Now, oftentimes it's one, two, three people, something like that. And, and you've got to, to level up, you've got to get where the business doesn't rely on you to show up. And then you move up to Pathfinder, which is pretty much where she is, okay? At Pathfinder, your team, if, if you want to level up there, you've got to get the whole team engaged in, in a shared direction. But she's got some operational stuff she's doing there at that Pathfinder stage, and that's probably where that business is. Um, And and you've got some processes to put in place, and and you've got to start looking at, um, oh, it's hard for me to do this. I had to start looking at hiring people to do work that did not create revenue. See, I'm an old sales guy, and so I wanted everyone I hired to make me more than they cost me. Salespeople do that. They make you more than they cost you, right? People that are producing revenue of some kind make you more than they cost you. If you've got a, a digital marketer and they're helping you buy keywords with and, and work on your SEO, they're making you more than they're costing you. And those positions are emotionally easy to fill it's harder to fill a position of a bookkeeper who does your payroll for you because that doesn't create any revenue. It just manages the processes in the business. Now, I, I say harder. By harder, I mean it's emotionally harder for a revenue-driven 
mindset entrepreneur. And, and so she's not, Trevenia's not at the level with five team members to hire someone full time inside that business to do payroll. But they may have some bookkeeping plus payroll plus some purchasing, rolling up a whole bunch of finance and accounting functions into one job, into one job description. And uh, I did do that fairly early because I didn't want to fool with those 941s and all the forms and stuff. They suck. I told you that a minute ago. It's hard. I didn't want to mess with it. It drove me nuts, that kind of stuff does. And because and I felt like when I'm working on that, I wasn't working on something that made money. And, and so I quickly found a way to delegate that, and then I quickly found a way to bring it in-house. Now, some people are very comfortable outsourcing that kind of thing extensively. I'm going to bring it in-house. And, and again, what you're doing in the people driver the six drivers of business and the people driver, what you'll do oftentimes say at that peak performer level, it's not unusual for if you've got 10 or 15 people working for you for each person to have like four jobs. Like, you know, again, this, this per, you know, you've got one person that does all the accounting bookkeeping and purchasing and payroll. And, and so they got several different jobs under the heading of, they're our bookkeeper or our controller or whatever it is, your first accounting person, finance person you hire in. Um, it's not unusual at all. Your first HR person is going to be a recruiter. They're going to be an HR person. They're going to be benefits manager. They're going to do a whole bunch of different things. And then what happens is as you grow, you hire someone to take two of the four jobs that's on that other person. And then you hire some, it's like a, like a cell splitting. Okay. They start with four jobs on one person, and then you got two jobs on each person, and then we've got four people for four jobs once we get enough size and there's enough work to justify that, and it moves you up to that level at that point. And so, yeah, that, that's where we'll go. Uh, and, and so that's what you're looking for. You've got to build processes where the business doesn't count on you, and then you're moving from treadmill a peak performer. You're moving up through the processes here, and, and you're, it's going to feel like that cell division thing, and it's okay for somebody to have a whole bunch of jobs, because when you started, you were the CEO by yourself, the chief everything officer. This is the Entree Leadership Podcast. Do you have an action plan to unlock the next stage for your business? It's up to you, the business owner, to gain the leadership skills and build the scalable processes that will cause your business to grow. But I've seen too many leaders give up or burn out simply because they didn't have a plan. The good news is you don't have to come up with that plan on your own. We can show you exactly what you need to do. Go to entreleadership.com slash bizquiz to take our free stages of business assessment and get the action plan you need to unlock the next stage for your business. I'm Dave Ramsey, your host. This is the Entree Leadership Podcast. If you're struggling in business, we're here to help. If you've got nightmares about your leadership situation, we're here to help. If you're winning, we're here to cheer you on. And we'll hear just your brag story. You can just call up and do that if you want. The number is 844-944-1070. Yehuda is next in Baltimore. Hey, Yehuda, what's up? Hi, Dave. I'm uh, better than I deserve. How are you? Just the same, sir. How can we help? I've been 
I've been wanting to say that like since I started listening to you. Thank you. Um, and and uh, I just before I get into my question, I just wanted to express my immense gratitude to you. You've definitely changed my life, both you directly and the Ramsey personalities. I'm I'm so grateful. Well, thank you, sir. How can um, I help today? So my, so I started a leader, my first leadership role um, at the end of November. I have two employees, and one of them has been behind since I started. Um, how do I know if she's underperforming or if it's just the role and the responsibilities are too much? Huh. Um, well, I've gotten this wrong a bunch of times, and I'll probably get it wrong again because my first tendency is always to think I've given them too much. And then after they're gone and I've replaced them with a high-capacity person, I'm going, oh, well, they really should have been able to do it. They just didn't have the stuff. And so I tend to blame myself for saying I put too much on them as my first knee-jerk reaction um, and go, okay, why do we have why do we have this, you know, these developers can't seem to get this web page up. What's the problem? And it's they're slower than Christmas is the problem. Or, you know, we're, we're our, our, you know, our timeline is unrealistic. We're asking people to do something in a time period that just doesn't work. So right. uh, the, the, truth, the truthful answer to your question is how do we know which one it is? We don't. You don't. I don't. Uh, all we can do is look at it and try to make our best guess on it and go, okay, one, of the, one way you can measure, let me, here's one thing else. I'm trying to, I'm making this up as I go, but here's what I really do. Um, I, I wonder if I can do it. They can't get it done in that period of time, but I can. Then that tells you somebody else can. You got the wrong person, right? They're not high capacity, high performance enough. They don't have enough juice, okay? And so whatever it is, if uh, they're that. So like, for instance, a sales position, I've said a million times I'm an old salesman. And so, okay, this guy, this gal or this guy, uh, you know, they're not, they can't seem to, they can't seem to sell this product. And then I jump on the phone and I go like, I can sell six of them in 20 minutes. You're not even on the phone and you don't know how to talk and your narrative's awful and you're in the wrong position. So it's not the product. It's not the price. It's not the, it's the person, you know? And, and so, yeah. uh, but so one thing I gauge it against is, can I do it? Now, some things I'm hiring for, it's harder to judge because it's, it's a special discipline that I don't know how to do. Like, for instance, writing code. I've never written a line of code in my life. So I can't really go, oh, well, I could do that. And why the crap can't you? You know, I can't, I can't really apply that principle there. So I have to just gauge it and look. And then I'm going to start asking around, what is the person doing that you think you've overwhelmed? What, is they, what are they physically doing? Uh, I mean, they're they're a bookkeeper, uh, and the specific challenge here is that like the company's behind, so I'm basically having to choose. I, I, my approach was like you said, I want to do a role and see how long it took me, um, but I really can't because I've chosen to prioritize like filing, you know, you know, year end year end things. Okay, they're, so they're she, she's she, her job is to keep the books, and she can't keep them up. And then they've been behind. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Um, I mean, the so, volume, there's that much volume in a three person business coming at one person to keep the books that they can't keep it. It's a much bigger, it's not just three people. Um, oh, and, uh, um, so I have two people who report to me, but that's just the finance team, you know, ops is way bigger. It's actually like, I think we have made two, 300, um, uh, ops employees. Okay. So what are the items? The bookkeeper is obviously keeping accounting books, right? So they're trying yeah. to do uh, general ledger entries. 
and they're trying to do payables and they're trying to do receivables. What are they doing? Yeah, it's that. I mean, it's it's it should include bank reconciliations. So when I came in, like they were um, a few months behind, and I came in, you know, in November, and they were like doing August. Um, and the previous year, they were like in even worse. You know, they're they're just behind, and um, and I have to choose to catch them up. You know, regular like with compliance, and so I haven't been able to spend yeah. the time that I would like to to like check out her role and like see how long it takes me. Uh, I've done that for like, specific things, but I haven't yeah. like, done so it So what I'm going to do role. is I, I need to do a bit of a work study here uh, and say, okay, I don't have to be super complicated, but you need to spend a few hours understanding the actual, uh, what what this person actually is supposed to be doing, okay? Right. A- and exactly what the elements of that are. And then you can pick up the phone and call someone else in your industry and say, hey, how much volume should a bookkeeper doing if they're doing if they're doing this? How much volume should they be able to handle? Because we can't seem to get caught up. And I don't know if I've if I've got too much volume for one person or if I've got a slow person. Tell me a- and get somebody else around the business or call an accounting firm even and say, hey, I've got a bookkeeper and this is what I'm asking them to do. But you can't describe yet enough what their daily job entails from a work study standpoint uh, to be able to get an answer from an outsider. Right. You're gonna, right. You're gonna, you need uh, to get your hands in this because you're going to lose this person or you guys are going to get your head taken off by not keeping up with your numbers. So you've yeah. got to get this fixed. This is on fire. Not having yeah. your books up to date is major. That's a yeah. problem. Yeah. And it's been that way a long time, which means there's a lot of chaos around this business. And uh, when you smell chaos like that, uh, that tells you that's one of the things that's holding you guys back from leveling up to your next stage of business. And, and so you've got to get processes in place, uh, and that's either going to involve doubling up and on hire here. You're going to have to go to leadership and, and say, look, we're not going to get caught up, and we're going to continue to limp in this place if we don't get this caught up because we just simply have more volume than one person can do. Or we got the wrong person, and we got to get a person in here that can actually do twice as much because I'm amazed that some people can type faster than others. I'm amazed that some people can enter their brains work faster than others on this kind of thing. And um, I'm amazed, you know, different people have different capacities. Um, and it could be that if you just kind of help them prioritize, it might streamline it and might speed it up because being overwhelmed also causes paralysis and slows things down sludge in the machine. Right. And so, uh, you know, there's a couple things you need to do as a leader here. You're going to have to step in and, uh, your job is to serve your company and this person by getting this mess cleaned up. So I appreciate you asking the question, um, but um, you you don't have the information yet to answer the question. Is it the person or is it the workload? Because you can't even describe the workload yet. So you're going to have to get in there and really understand that workload, take about two minutes, and then either streamline this and get the sludge out of the machine by creating a streamlined process and then tell them that, this is what we're going to do, and you're going to look over their shoulder until they get it done, even if you don't physically go in there and keep the books, um, or you're going to leadership and saying, we got to add another one, or you're going to leadership and saying, we got to change this one out. It's a bum one. This, this person can't seem to do it at a reasonable speed, and so we're constantly behind, and it's not okay that we're constantly behind because it's not okay, dude. That's a problem. So, yeah, the house is on fire here, and – waiting a year and saying, oh, we're still, we've struggled for the last three years. Oh, bull, you need to fix this now. 
Uh, you, you know, like if you're on my team and you come to me with this, I'm going to give you like 30 days to have it completely solved. And I'll help you. I'll help you run some of the blockers if I'm your leader, but I'm going to get, I'm going to put a deadline on you as the head of this area to get this crap fixed and, and light a fire under everybody here because not keeping the books is just scary. Really, really, really scary. Hey guys, that's what this is all about. It's the nuts and bolts of running a business. It's the leadership aspects of running a business. It's the fears and the victories of running a business. It's called entree leadership. This wonderful, magical combination of entrepreneurship and leadership. When you put them together, man, you get small business. You get the free enterprise system. And we get people like you that are listening. Thank you for joining us, America. This is the Entree Leadership Podcast.